welcome back to the Infinity Content Podcast with our lovely hosts, Roman Statler, Colton Dion, and Trevor Beaker. It is a hot, muggy room. We're staring at a giant <laughs> TV beat used as a monitor to record this podcast, and it's incredible. I can make out every single fluctuation of my voice on this thing. Yeah, is this like 70 inches? What is this? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, yeah. It's, it's the future. It's <laughs> the future. That's all we need to know. Um, so this month we are talking about The Dark Knight Returns, which was Colton's pick of this month and this episode. So tell us a little bit about it before we begin. So this is a story that came out in the 1980s by Frank Miller, who uh, is also well known for creating Elektra in Daredevil and having a run of Daredevil. Uh, he also did 300 and did Sin City. And the story is about a retired Bruce Wayne coming back after 10 years. Uh, he's basically addicted to being Batman, and uh, he's returning to take over the city with, to great effect. Okay. So, yeah, we were just talking about before we got this set up. So we were trying to figure out when this took place and then when Watchmen came out. So Watchmen came out, like, towards the end of tw- 1986, while this came out towards the beginning and stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you? So did you feel... Roman, um, well, I guess Colton, because, I mean, we all read those, but I would probably need to read Watchmen again right after this if I wanted to compare. Did you feel like there was, like, similarities between the two, or do you feel like they were kind of polar opposites in, like, the messages they were sending? I think that they're similar, uh, that they show that our heroes are almost pathological, Mm -hmm. or that they have some very human motive for why they do what they do because mm-hmm. I think before this point Roman can definitely correct me it's sort of this idealistic approach to heroes that they just believed in justice and like truth but this really shows that Batman does it for the thrill mm-hmm. and that in Watchmen what you have is characters who are doing it for fame for the thrill like to be violent uh, because of the hatred that they have towards criminals so I think that it kind of brings the storytelling to more like character centered point of view because you're like diving really deeply into the like characters mindsets and like their motivations for being heroes mm-hmm. in a way that people could probably actually relate to. Yeah. Well, awesome. Um, well basically, so this was your pick and you're, you're the Batman guy in this group. So I feel like this might be kind of your, your thing to take the lead on walk us through Take us down a trip through Crime Alley. <laughs> I'll try and uh, you know, make sure that we don't get shot and pearls don't drop. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I, I brought a bunch of pearls for the specific <laughs> reason to make an artsy <laughs> shot. So. All right. So we start off in Gotham during the summertime, and it experienced a heat wave very similar to how hot this room is. Uh, and what we got going on here Sweltering. <laughs> uh, is... Uh, it has a bunch of newscasts, and they're talking about uh, how hot it is and how violence has been up. And we f- go to a conversation between uh, Jim Gordon and Bruce Wayne. And in this conversation, it establishes that uh, Batman hasn't been active for about 10 years and that uh, James or Jim Gordon knows uh, that Bruce Wayne is Batman. And they're kind of talking about getting older and about whether he misses it or not. Mm-hmm. So uh, after they're done drinking and smoking like, you know, men do, uh, Batman is walking down the street 
and all of a sudden uh, these gangsters with cyclops uh, <laughs> glasses come up and they are threatening to stab him and we don't i don't think actually get to see what really happens to them mm-hmm. but we can assume that it, uh, they probably lost to uh, batman well it sounded like they said that they like decided not to go for trying to mug batman or bruce wayne because he was looked way too into it he was getting excited yeah about it and they're twirling his mustache yeah he was getting he was getting real you know real turned on by this by the act of two dudes trying to stab him maybe they were just like they could smell that scotch and the cigars on him from his uh hang out with uh jim they're like this man it's too much um well roman i don't know if you knew was there ever a time or before, around this time that jim gordon knew that bruce wayne was batman or was it just like this is just completely self-implying? Um, not that I remember. I was trying to remember um, when Frank Miller did Year One. Mm-hmm. If that was before this or after this, because I think I mean, well, at that point, I don't. Th- I don't think Gordon knew. This might have been the first time that they actually hinted that he knew in this supposedly alternate future. This was curious that when I started this yesterday, reading this and thinking that this Bruce Wayne kind of reminds me in some respects of the comedian. In oh yeah. And, yeah. I mean, they, they came out so close together. He's got that mustache. Yeah. And even someone kind and of that his, lust for violence. Yeah. His, yeah. His lust for violence. Like, Oh, it even it looks has, a little like him. With yeah. The mustache. His mustache, the haircut kind of looks like it, you know, and I was like, he's got a little bit more gray in this hair, like compared to the comedians, like lightly salted hair. Um, something, uh, that kind of stood out for me just right off the bat was how interesting the panels were set up through this and the dialogue where there's just a lot of white space mm-hmm. and a lot of this for the talking and the dialogue. And then there's a lot of dialogue that takes place. It's a lot of internal dialogue, but how it takes place outside of the panels with around that white space. And there's no like text box or anything for it. It's just there mm-hmm. felt like it took a while to get used to. It just felt so chaotic to me, <laughs> like all over the place, like the TV panels and stuff, which was nice because I love how the panels are little TVs. But it took me a while to like get used to what was what and what dialogue went to what panel. I see. I almost uh, have the opposite feeling towards it because I feel like everything is kind of like with Watchmen, that like three by three grid that mm-hmm. they're like really well known for. Uh, everything seems very like rigid and that like they maximize the amount that you could put per page. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like reading this is almost like reading like every page is almost like two comic book pages because of the amount of dialogue and story per page. Mm-hmm. It definitely felt like a longer read compared to like most things like for something that size, they really fit it in as much as they could. Um, sorry, go con- continue on. All right, so uh, it's still way too damn hot outside. And, and right now. <laughs> and, like right now. Uh, and everybody's not really enjoying it. Uh, so we get a transition over to Arkham Home, which I'm assuming is Arkham Asylum, that it became uh, more of a home for the emotionally troubled. And what we do is we see uh, Joker, who he has really well-defined cheekbones by this artist, uh, mm-hmm. but he is not saying anything. Uh, and I think they say either here or very soon, they talk about how he hasn't done anything since Batman's uh, left. Yeah, I can't remember if they said it was like 
comatose or catatonic, mm-hmm. like his like state of mind or something. He's just been a vegetable, basically. Yeah, Cat- catatonia. Yeah. Uh, but then we get uh, to the next room over, and we find out that Harvey Dent, i.e. Two-Face, uh, has just gotten a facial reconstruction, uh, and that they're talking about releasing him for uh, being good. And James Gordon does absolutely not believe that uh, Harvey Dent could be reformed. And uh, we have a, they take off his hush-like wrappings from his face, (laughs) and uh, he's beautiful, and he sheds a tear. And then we go to uh, news commentators Mm -hmm. who are discussing about Two-Face's crimes and his motive operation. And throughout this entire comic, which is really interesting, is that there are always, everything seems to have an emphasis on how the news understands or, like, pushes specific narratives mm-hmm. and the, like, discussion that they have on news. And, Roman, in the mid-'80s, is that when CNN and, like, the 24 Hours News Cycle came out? Yeah, well, leading up to that, almost, yeah. But But even then, there was still all the talk and worry about media bias and all that. Of course, you saw that even... I was watching... Got something the other night. Alfred Hitchcock presents a rerun or something and that, where the it was about... And that was in the 50s, and it was about... Uh, informa- they didn't call it that, but information culture, basically, and all of us being glued to our screens instead of the real life. And it's like every decade, that's <laughs> that's in, in the news, huh? Uh, is it just me, or does the new Harvey Dent, like, completely, like face change just like i kept thinking he was lex Luthor when i was like looking at these photos just that signature bald head just oh, yeah, made me assume it was lex and then he holds up the coins like two face okay 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 that's just my comment that's that's it for me for the rest of the podcast looks like lex Luthor. looks like lex and uh, on the news they have this charles chaplin-esque uh, psychologist <laughs> who is just all about how great they are reforming uh, the super criminals at Arkham Home, and he says that he is ready for release. Uh, Two Face gives a great winning smile and shows off that he has a new coin that is not burnt on one side, so he's going to give everybody a fair chance, no matter how he flips. Mm-hmm. I want to get back to this uh, Charlie Chaplin psychologist guy later on and circle back to him because guy's a hypocrite i'm just gonna say it now and i'll i'll, t- I'll talk about it a little bit later uh sorry go ahead we also find out in this that bruce wayne paid for the reconstruction of uh two faces face and that he's really hopeful about harvey being able to be rehabilitated we transition then to uh, the nighttime at Wayne Manor, and Batman is having some flashbacks. Uh, Spoiler alert for anybody that doesn't know how Batman becomes Batman, or <laughs> how his parents die. I, I, we should right know now. now. <laughs> We've seen it on the big screen like 20 times. So you're saying we just skip. Uh, Batman's parents die. Uh, moving on. And he, and he, <laughs> yeah, he has a lot of feelings about it. He does have feelings about it. I guess I guess you can't really move on it from it because the next uh, four by two panel of after that nightmare that he has of remembering is pretty cool. It has uh, Batman wakes up from his uh, little dream flashback 
and he is seen in the back. Is he naked? I think he's yep. naked. And Alfred is like, hey, uh, you should get back to bed. This probably isn't that healthy for you to be staring at, you know, your trophy room. Naked. Naked at your dead Robin's <laughs> costume. Yeah. And then Batman's like, oh, okay. And he's also like, oh, my mustache is gone. So he nocturnally shaved or like sleep shaved. It's like instinctively, like it's just yeah. subconsciously, like it kind of is talking about him like, the Batman is like an entity inside of him or like another personality that wants to get free. So it's like a persona that's he's not completely in control of. Like well, he's Did you ever watch Dexter? Yeah, I've seen a couple of episodes. It Dexter. reminds me of the Dark Passenger, how they describe it. That Dexter has this like evil not evil, but this I guess for Dexter it is evil because it's his serial killer, but his drive, he gives it a name and it has like its like own personality. Hmm that's separate from him that sort of like takes over and pushes them it almost feels mm-hmm. like they make batman have this or bruce wayne have this dark passenger that is batman mm-hmm. and later on i don't know if they do it now but they actually like give the drive to be batman like that like id that he has in him it actually has his own voice and it speaks to bruce mm-hmm. and tells him about how he's weak and old and that he can't like control himself from it mm-hmm. yeah and I think this might be the first time they really did that in a, in a major Batman story. Because since, since this, you know, I, I, a couple months ago I read a reprint of a Dar- Darwin Cook story where he had, like, this big bat demon in the cave that was talking to Bruce and everything. Barbados? No, and that made me think of Bar- <laughs> Barbados, too, in the current metal storyline. And it was like, oh, yeah, but it all started right here. And I love that panel when it... Alfred's telling to get Bruce to come up from the cave, and yeah. the cam- the you know, your your comic mind's eye camera zooms in this panel here when Bruce realizes, his, and his eyes are wide and he's touching his his lip where his yeah. mustache was. He's like, oh my gosh, oh no, <laughs> like, <laughs> slipping it's up. It's a great panel. I always wonder too if it's about like he's subconsciously made himself look like he was when he was younger and actively Batman. Mm-hmm. That like the mustache is like a symbol of age. That's how I took it. He was wanting to feel yeah. young again and stuff. Wow, we all we all have mustaches. I just realized. Yeah, uh, I, I do. I do. I, I had the opposite of Bruce Wayne. I just touched my face and there was a mustache there. <laughs> what the heck? Except it, he just needs to get a mustache that can twirl. Bruce Wayne should have had a twirled mustache. Yeah. Yes. You see, Joker. Yeah. Jim Gordon's got it. Oh god, that'd be hilarious! Just Batman with a mustache, just punching people and twirling it. Like punches someone, and then Gordon comes like talk to him. He just twirls it, hmm, and then leaves. <laughs> They're both on the rooftop twirling, twirling mustaches, mustaches in the rain, <laughs> smoking cigars and twirling mustaches. All right, well, there's a reboot for Dark Knight Returns. If I've ever seen one. So after uh, Bruce realizes that he's shaved, it transitions to probably the next day or later that night. We find out that Two-Face has actually gone missing, and uh, Charles Chaplin uh, doesn't know, but everybody is <laughs> hopeful that he's not going back to his life of crime, and that mm. he's just off showing off that good face. Uh, and then we have this group of you know, low-tier gangster thugs who are just playing cards, uh, and all of a sudden a face wrap figure with a coin, probably Two-Face, uh, comes in there and says, "I need your help, boys." Yeah, he's a uh, he just kind of barges in and takes over the takes over. Well, something that I, 
like they also talked about was when Two-Face, and this goes back to the Batman, um, now that you mentioned that, like, kind of creating this, like, persona and this, like, other, like, like, identity inside of him. It was, like, they kind of mentioned that with Two-Face, too, is when he became Two-Face, it was, like, this other persona that was more, like, methodical and, like, evil just kind of started, sub- like, submerging or emerging. And they did that in All-Star Batman and the recent stuff, too. It was, like, two different personalities they did at the wheel but i think at least in like the modern two-face stories that i've read it seems that they really tried to not just say like oh he got acid thrown in his face and he's evil that they yeah. said that there's always sort of aspects of like a dissociative identity there or that like that he did have this switch that he would flip mm-hmm. where i think maybe like when they first wrote his character they're like ass in the face now you have an evil side mm-hmm but they always like sort of made it so he's always mentally ill, even as a child. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I just got from this, they were talking about how yeah, like the doctor was like saying because of that he like dark, like it just was a conduit to like become like have an evil outlet and stuff. Anyways, oh that's right. Here's where we see the sweet pearl necklace shot. Break it down four by four panels. And that turn it one up, Watchmen over here yeah i mean this is shot for shot if you watched uh batman v superman this is this is a good example of it uh any other batman movie they did from christopher nolan good example of it well i mean how many batman movies come out that they showed his parents die Jeez, all of them all of them (laughs) i can't remember did they do it in oh yeah they did do it in the first one the to, well, they didn't do it in the very first one with Adam West, but the the ones after that, the mature ones, the um, mature ones, <laughs> yeah. I think I don't even remember if they did it in Mask of the Phantasm, the animated one that came out in the nineties. Uh, I still want to watch that one. Oh, it's so good. At the time, that it, that would that was before the other movies, and it was the best Batman movie. Was that like the nineteen nineties animated Batman series, Batman? Yeah. 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 Let me go back and rewatch all those. Yeah, those are so good. Oh man, all the times Batman's parents died on screen. <laughs> uh, let's see. God, Dark Knight, the Man of Steel, go ahead. When uh, his parents were shot by a mugger. Blah blah blah. Gotham, Super Friends, uh, Year One, Arkham Asylum, Dawn of Justice. Justice League Unlimited, Batman 1989, Brave and the Bold, Batman Begins, Dark Knight Returns. Really, that's it? Hmm. Still, that's a lot. What was the one? Oh, Gotham was the TV show. Yeah. I still have not watched that at all. I've only seen the first first season. It's interesting. Yeah? (laughs) It's hard to watch it because I don't know how to connect it to... It's just... It's its own thing. It's its own thing. It's its own thing. All right, so getting back to the story, we get... I think it's actually really well drawn, and the art's really cool. Oh, yeah. We see uh, the lanes get killed. We see some pearls break, and there's no dialogue for most of it, which I think is really cool because it really puts the story back in that this is Bruce's flashback. Mm Mm-hmm. And that he's remembering it as it happened. And this is flashback and thinking about what's been going on. 
that really rekindles him going back out there to go punch some baddies. He knocks over a statue. Is that a statue of his dad or? I could not tell. Yeah, I couldn't tell either. So I don't remember seeing that. That well, earlier it was just shadows behind him. You couldn't tell if there was a statue there or not. So I don't know what that statue was of. Maybe he's just stumbling around. And he's just in a fury. Runs into this statue and knocks it over. Mm-hmm. Takes a shower really aggressively. That's definitely the opposite of how I take showers. <laughs> he, he's just mean mugging the water. He was. He's thinking about those pearls some more. Lots of pearl panels, and they kind of zoom in too. And a bat breaks through his window which i'm guessing is maybe symbolic for like his mind or like a barrier mm-hmm. maybe breaking free like he, the... he's got ariana grande stuck in my head now <laughs> well, I, I mean it's almost like the mansion itself is like trying keeps... to stop him yeah stopping him or keeping him in so yeah. like breaking free but it's like the bat is like on the outside trying to get into bruce kind of thing back into him and more like less than getting out it's trying to get like like you said rekindling him it's trying to get the the, the spirit of the bat back into him again it would be almost interesting maybe in like previous iterations if that statue was his parents like mm-hmm. maybe it was like symbolic like his parents or like somebody trying to stop him from like doing what he wants to do but the bat it flies in who knows what happens to it maybe they got like a broom and like got it out or it's just hanging in the yeah. house now you never know they never tell you what happens to all the bats that keep flying out of his windows and all these different <laughs> issues that was a, a beautiful sequence because i think this also might be the first time that the bat came through his window that was that was drawn so monstrously because it's you see this bat demon face later on and in in previous versions it was a pretty small bat. I mean, you kind of wonder. It's really cute. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I kind of wonder how did this thing actually crash through this like looks like leaded glass window? It's so tiny. Yeah, they did a good job too of like how demonic its face was and stuff when they showed the first flashback of him falling in that well. Yeah, like that one panel close up of it was just its mouths of blaze of fire and its eyes are red. Yeah, yeah. spooky. Yeah. So this isn't like a nice bat coming in there. No, it's not a fruit bat. I love how those cute little bats. The X two across his face. Too, the, the shadow on Bruce's face yeah. of the window pane. I love it. Because even though it's it's an X, like with a target right between his eyes, but when it shows the actual window pane, it's it's just a cross. It's not yeah. shaped like an X. It it all it tilts to make that target right on his face. Well what if he just has like a really he just has his face angled really awkwardly. <laughs> oh yeah, he's just a, like <laughs> he's a dog. Do, he's really tilted. He's, he's doing like yoga stretches and he's like, huh. Trying to calm himself down. And <laughs> yeah. Bat flies through. Bat yoga. Bat zazen. And that's what, like, maybe the bat just pisses him off to the point where he's going to go punch people. <laughs> All right. I, I just replaced this window. <laughs> that's what fuels him to go every night. His <laughs> bats keep flying through his windows. <laughs> All right. So we got a lot of. We get. After the bat breaks through the window. A storm starts a brewing. Yeah. It's, it's hot. It's. Some lightning's going to start happening. And Something then, else is going to start happening. That's true. Uh, Something else is going to start striking. <laughs> so we see some generic goons out in the city, and uh, they keep getting punched a lot. There's some cool lightning art. Uh, and like all these like villains are being taken down by, you know, most likely Batman. And we get to a young girl named Carrie with her friend, who doesn't really matter for the rest of the story, at a arcade. And uh, this is during the entire storm. And Carrie's, you know, friend, who obviously doesn't look that fun, is like, "Why are we out here? It's dangerous." And Carrie's like, 
We're in an arcade. What, what could possibly go wrong? Well, like they say, the arcade isn't like a place for people to go anymore. It's like a, like it sounds like it's run down. Yeah. That's where like the goons like to hang out. Yeah, it's where the mutants hang out. The mutants. We did we even talk about like have they? Is this where they first started talking about the mutants? Or they've kind of yeah they were starting to talk about them throughout. Yeah, the I whole. think they mentioned them on the one of the broadcasts earlier. Mm-hmm. But basically, it's a, it's a, it's a street gang that you know looks like they, some of them filed their teeth down and they must grow their somehow grow their because human teeth don't get that long. Yeah, naturally filed or not. Yeah, they don't <laughs> look right. I mean, but they're all wearing cyclops. Like visors, yeah, maybe they are. Visors. Maybe they are mutants. Real mutants. They're all Sewer mutants. People. God, I hadn't put that together with the visor. Oh, so yeah, they're, they're all mutants. They they're, are all mutants. inspired by. <laughs> they're all <psychos>. Marvel mutants. <laughs> but yeah, they're the street gang that's running rampant over the city, and some of them are well, like a lot of street gangs. Some of them are real young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it sounds like most of them are in their teens. Yeah, and troubled youth. And the thing about the mutants is that they're not like they do rob people and they do commit crime, but it's not. They're doing the crimes for the thrill of doing the crimes mm-hmm. and not to actually get any financial, like, Gain resources. Yeah. Uh, so they're, like, really just a bunch of sadists, mm-hmm. which is really interesting because it's almost like goes back to they're like a mirror of Batman in a way mm-hmm. that he's not doing it. This Batman, it feels like, isn't doing it for justice. Like, that might be what he tells himself, but he's doing it because he's an angry person who wants to fight mm-hmm. so uh carrie and friend are at the arcade and then the power goes out all of a sudden and then a, a bunch of mutants show up with their cyclops visors and they are gonna stab and do all sorts of awful things to carry and friend but one of them gets four batarangs in an arm which that's really impressive <laughs> <laughs> uh and Batman comes and he absolutely wrecks the mutants and uh, saves Carrie and her friend. Oh, you know, he throws he throws one. Oh yeah. <laughs> how does how's that work? Because I thought the power's out. No. It's like he throws it like right when the power comes back on. Yeah, it must have been. Or maybe that guy was just already electrically charged. I don't know. He probably had some kind of he had a remote set up so he could tap it with his foot or something and power come back on just so he can make a cool dramatic <laughs> yeah he wanted to make an impression. violent throw yeah this batman is violent so uh he fries the the mutants and all of a sudden we get back to a bunch of news commentators and they are talking about all of these people who had been saved uh by this mysterious bat figure and they are all kind of coming to the consensus that batman's back in action but the reports aren't they don't have a consensus quite yet mm-hmm. uh, because a bunch of the people who were saved have different opinions or they report different details. So uh, we go back and the cops are chasing somebody and all of a sudden Batman comes and he jumps on top of the car of the person they're chasing. And I think that art in these panels is really cool. Mm-hmm. Like There is such strong motion and directionality captured in these panels like, i feel like you can just like it's almost like watching like a movie where you can just like see how like he would jump and like how everything's moving yeah yeah and, it, and it's so great too how you see how his cape has so many functions because he jumps on the hood of this car and then the next panel it's kind of a side from side rear view and you see how his cloak he's used it to totally cover the windshield so these guys have no idea where they're going now 
awesome. Yeah, it obscures their view. Yeah. And I got to say that one little panel when he jumps on the hood, that sound effect, the way they drew it, that's a nod to, I think, pretty sure that's a nod to Marshall Rogers, who drew some of the Steve Englehart classic Batman stories in the 70s. The wump? Like like the like the Joker fish story. Oh, yeah. Okay. But that's the kind of sound. They do sound effects like that that were wump. incorporated into the the feel and the motion, the action of the scene. Interesting. So uh, the criminals that were driving the car that the police were chasing, that Batman jumped on top, they crash, and uh, the cops get out, and then one of them is like, oh, my God, you're Batman. I didn't think you were real. And Batman's, you know, he's not one to uh, take selfies or anything. He just says, I'm going to go beat up those guys. These are mine. These are my guys I get to beat up. I call dibs. And uh, one of the cops the whole time is like, Oh, we need to bring him in. Like, this is crazy. And then the other one's like, nah, man, it's cool. Let we it, work with bats. Yeah, let him go. I like how in the three panels where there's the guy that says, like, I never thought he was real, where Batman points a thumb to his chest. He says, these are mine. And then I imagine that he says that, and then he Dracula pulls the cape over him, his shoulder, and then he runs away. Like, he doesn't do a disappearing act. You just see him pull the cape up and then run <laughs> out. It's like, all right. <laughs> I got my point across. They're mine. Bye. He hisses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he goes after him, and the cops are kind of, you know, in tow. And Batman is just doing what he does, just beating people up. I he I like how he mentions too. Like I mean, he, it doesn't it doesn't get away from the fact that they want you to remember that he is old and stuff like this because he talks about grappling, hooking up and stuff, and he's like. Pretty much saying, like, when he was younger, he could have climbed this rope with just his arms, but he's got to use his legs to help climb and everything. I mean, it was a little, like, inspiring that he says, no, it's not as hard as I thought it was. Mm -hmm. And he's able to get back in the game pretty well. Uh, So there are more cool panels of action. Uh, The one, he shoots a grappling hook or a batarang with a rope around uh, one of the uh, criminal's necks, and he pulls him, and... It kind of goes back to that there's really great motion in these panels. Yeah. That you can just kind of see everything happening between the panels. And Batman's on top of a guy. He's beating him up. And one of the cops is trying to tell him, like, please stop. I'm going to arrest you. And another cop. Mister. Mister, please stop. (laughs) The other cop is like, all right, goodbye, Batman. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your service. He's kind of also starstruck by him. It's like, oh, I, I remember back in the day. Uh, when I saw you, and Batman, you know, doesn't care mm-hmm. at all. He's just another badge to him. Yeah. And Batman finds on one of the goons a torn up coin, which is most likely simple for Two Face. Yeah, Two Face token. And so he wants to uh, obviously find Two Face, and he wants to talk to Gordon about what's going on. So we flash forward to the next day, and we get this really pretty, like, Daylight, view of Gotham scene. City. Like, things are starting to look brighter now that the Dark Knight is back, kind of. Yeah, kind so, of especially for the Joker. Yeah, Yeah. well, I was going to say, first first uh, guest star appearance is Lana Lang, who's a Superman character. She was, all, was she always a childhood friend of his growing up? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, she's, I guess, like, she's a, she's a news person. And yeah, we got Joker, who... Just seeing Batman on TV is like reinvigorated him. He's like the like the second panel of him, like when he's watching the news, like learning that Batman's back. Like 
you look like you just like seeing the face of God. Yeah. He looks so happy and moved. And he breaks out in this really big, creepy grin. And he's like, Batman. Yeah, coming out of his Katoni. This is the first time in this story we've seen him actually smile. Yeah, and then he also says, darling. Yeah, that's why I was wondering, and we, as we found out before the podcast, which was written first, uh, this or... Um, Watchmen? Or, 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 or Killing Joke. This made me think of oh. Killing Joke, because I think that and this story, the first time we've that I know of, that we've seen kind of this... This other level to Batman is and Joker's relationship where, like, they, where they really he's got like this feed and want on yeah, want each other. Yeah, he's like super infatuated by him. Yeah, they're like toxic relationship. Yep, Joker's yep. ultimate puzzle and Batman's ultimate detective. Mm-hmm. Doesn't he look very William Dafoe? He does. <laughs> I guess I wanted to say Spider Man. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> so I'll get you, Batman. So Joker is a. Uh, Real happy about this. We may get more uh, discussion on the news that we have a pro-Batman argument and we have an anti-Batman. It's really interesting that they try to make every single action that Batman does into a really symbolic Mm -hmm. like statement where people are saying, oh, he's like, it's the American dream, like a man pulling himself up by his bootstraps and like taking back his community. Then other people are saying... Oh, he's like acting as a symbol yeah. to like promote violence and like civil unrest. Where I don't know if Batman necessarily views his actions to really be that way, but kind of it reminds me a lot about how the news will really misconstrue. Or they like want to create really grand narratives of people's actions, and that's what they're doing. Because all Batman wants to do is just go out there and satisfy that demon bat he has in his heart. But in everybody else's eyes, he's actually doing good. Or bad. Or bad, yeah. Point versus so, point. So he's kind of like, he's kind of just supporting like the people that are against him, like proving their point through this whole thing. Because they're like, I mean, breaking and entering, doing what he wants. And it's just him like, I really want to punch stuff. Well, I think... I think they're trying to, they're viewing him as like a leader of like a social movement where it kind of goes that they don't really know what's going on. They don't really get that it's just one man's desire. It's not some grand epic. Yeah. It's just this guy getting back into a suit and doing what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Uh, we find out that uh, James Gordon is going to be uh, retiring and that they, they're looking for a replacement and that he's obviously upset about what's going on with uh, Two-Face and he's kind of processing his friend getting back into being Batman. Yeah. And we see uh, Alfred and uh, Batman back at the manor and uh, I think Batman's getting like a sweet like physical therapy massage from Alfred, which what can this man not do? Cucumber sandwiches, massages operating planes and yeah. supercomputers. And he's got to be, like, because they say Gordon's, like, 70, and Batman's, like, in his 60s. Yeah. So, I was wondering about that, too. Alfred must be, like, 105 years. Yeah, he's going to be in his late 90s or 100s. Right. Alfred's just, he's way too old for this shit. It's the cucumber sandwiches. It keeps him young. <laughs> all his vegetables. Yeah. And all... No meat in those sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alfred's giving his stereotypical snark, and... Batman's not having it. 
and we get a big news message from the mutant leader who says really awful things. He talks about how he uh, is going to destroy the city and that the women are going to be like murdered and the men are going to die and the streets are going to run with blood. He makes a challenge to Batman where he says that he is going to kill him and eat his heart mm-hmm. and drag his body through the streets. And in the same message, he says that he's going to uh, kill Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. He covers a lot in like three panels, basically. And he, he Very concise with what he wants to say. Yeah. Um, but everybody's threatened. And then what we have is uh, one of the Two-Face uh, goons is all in a cast basically from his neck to his feet and he uh, is just going about his business and Batman shows up and is interrogating him Mm -hmm. and the goon uh, says this line where he says you can't do this I have rights and I think my this might be like some of my favorite lines from this entire uh, book where he says Batman says you've got rights lots of rights sometimes I count them just to make myself feel crazy Right now, you got a piece of glass shoved into a major artery in your arm. Right now, you're bleeding to death. And he says that the only way that you're going to stay alive is if I help you. And this really drives in the point that this is not your fun Batman and Robin. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, go on an adventure and save the day. This is a brutal, sadistic Batman who doesn't care. He just wants results. Yeah. And I'm wondering, like... Because they don't really explain why he kind of retired or, like, we don't even really know if this was, like, a branch, like, an Elseworld type of story or anything. So, like, was he always this type of Batman or was it, like, that fun Batman and Robin and then, like, the years of, like, traumatic things happening is just slowly started, like, breaking him down? Yeah, and there was something that happened with, that they hint at later in the story about the government forcing them into something. Yeah. And whatever happened to Jason Todd at this point point right before this story because yeah he's kind of become i mean that's such a right-wing type of type of sometimes i count them just to make myself feel crazy about their rights mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah he's definitely bruce wayne has been through some stuff that's changed him yeah intense so batman gets the info he wants and we see uh jim gordon relighting the bat signal and there's this really great set of four panels where we see uh, Carrie at her home uh, looking up and seeing the bat signal and getting this really inspired look as she looks at it. And we also get this hint that Carrie has really, really indifferent, liberal, marijuana-smoking hippies. Like, parents who, like, really don't care. And we actually never see them throughout the entire story. For who? Uh, Carrie. Oh, yeah. The bat signal's in the air. And there's a really cool panel where we see this huge, like, I don't know what it is, like three size, three times the size of the moon size bat signal in the air. And uh, everybody is having their reactions to it. Uh, Jim and Batman have a conversation and they're talking about Harvey Dent. And they are both talking about what if this like the person who's doing all these things is Harvey Dent and whether Harvey Dent is beyond rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. And Batman says, uh, I'm going to take him down no matter what. And we'll find out if it's Harvey. 
when the time comes. We uh, get back to uh, Charles Chaplin, our uh, resident stupid psychologist, who is saying that Batman actually creates his own villains, and he uses them. He creates people to then reinforce his like villains to beat up to reinforce his own grand sense of self. And we see the Joker uh, smoking, looking really cool, mm-hmm. talking to. Is this a traditional Joker henchman, Roman? I don't think so. I think he was just for this story. This this Humpty Dumpty looking man. Yeah. Uh, and he's asking uh, the Joker about uh, whether he should help Harvey Dent or not, and that Harvey Dent had gone to this uh, guy to ask to make bombs. So I had a question for you on this, since we got to the part where he talks about how Batman is making his own villains, like the psychosis of it. Mm-hmm. You can see in the panels that he's wearing like a Batman shirt with like a cross of it. So he's anti-Batman. Mm-hmm. Now, in the beginning, he's wearing a Superman, a Superman shirt. one. So he's just specifically anti-Batman. Or can you argue that like basically any of those superheroes can basically create their own villains? Because I don't know if Lex was, like, evil before Superman, but, I mean, from a lot of the stuff that I knew from, like, Lex Luthor stuff, he's, like, driven, like, he hates Superman because Superman is not Earth, and he's, like, better, like, he's just, yeah, he's, like, super against Superman. Like, that's basically creating a villain right there, in a way. So, like, do you think it's just specifically Batman for him, this guy is just, like, no Batman, but he'll take any other superhero? I think... Maybe yes, since he is a psychologist at Arkham, that he doesn't mm-hmm. probably come in contact with ex or current supervillains of mm-hmm. other heroes. So all he comes in contact with are these villains who are incredibly smart and incredibly damaged uh, that are Gotham-based. So it could be that these all these villains have essentially manipulated him into thinking that the reason why they are the way they are is because of Batman mm-hmm. and not because of their own individual life events or choices. Mm, okay. So we flash forward to uh, Batman trying to stop Harvey Dent's scheme. And in this time, uh, we find out that Harvey has purchased uh, two helicopters and that he wants to make a really big statement. And he wants to, he wants money so he, de- he doesn't blow up the Gotham Twin Towers. Which I thought that this kind of reinforced that Gotham is New York. No, no. I've I've heard from some people like that Gotham is based on New York, but other people I've heard Chicago or Detroit. Well, I mean, I guess it could be based off of it, but I mean, in the current like run right now, there is a New York because yeah. Titans are in Manhattan. Well, I don't know. I, well, well, in a way, I mean, both Metropolis and Gotham are. Parts, you know, both New York, both Chicago, because like an old nickname for New York is Gotham. Oh, really? Yeah, I've heard it said before that Metropolis is like the good New York. Gotham is the crappy, crybrin, worst parts of New York. Interesting. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we'll call it's, it's still Gotham. It's, whatever. It's whatever. <laughs> it he, is what it is. But there's twin towers there. There's twin towers, uh, and. Uh, Two-Face is going to blow them up unless he gets his cash money. And Batman has... He's using guns, which 
I don't know if Batman had ever used guns before this point because that was a big no-no. Mm-hmm. And I don't think these are these have actual bullets in them. There are they like stun no. bullets. Um, later on, when he uses a gun, yeah, it's well, his narration, which you don't never know who Batman's narrating to. Yeah, so it doesn't feel like he's narrating to the reader. And there's a couple his... times when he says obvious lines like, like. Oh, they're rubber bullets. I feel like really. he's narrating himself to justify what he's doing yeah. still. Or is he talking to the bat demon? But yeah, he says that. And then this one, yeah, you think. I love the way these panels are done because they're different from the previous panels. They're more traditional. But yeah, you're thinking, what's he gonna is he gonna snipe somebody with his rifle? And it turns out it's a it shoots a grappling, grappling hook, hook line. Every gun is a grappling hook yeah. for him. So I guess it's like, well, okay, he's using guns, but they don't have bullets. <laughs> He definitely on the next page, like where he's like standing on that gargoyle, it definitely looks like he's like looking to snipe, and then yeah, the yeah. harpoon comes out. So, uh, uh, Two Face is blowing, he's using these uh, big helicopters he has, and he's blowing up some towers. And Batman is using cool grappling hook sniper guns, and he throws in some like beer grenades. Uh, do, you know, on the baddies to take him out. And he then comes face to face with uh, Two-Face. So he shoots uh, his sniper rifle with the grappling line onto the helicopter, is that right? Yeah. And uh, he is climbing over to get Two-Face and Two-Face gets knocked out of the helicopter but Batman is able to uh, grab him in time and then knocks him into a building. Mm-hmm. And uh, Batman and him are talking, and it is really cool where Two-Face says, if you look at me, like I'm still all scarred up. And, then he yeah. act- and it shows they have a panel where it shows what he looks like. Yeah, he sees himself as, instead of having regular face, he's got whole two-face he's got whole scary face which you know i just noticed that if you go directly down from that panel you have the demon bat mm-hmm. so it is kind of a reflection about how they both actually see themselves as monsters yeah that they're both these they're like psychic self and not the actual how they look to the rest of the world yeah and then it ends with batman flying out the window and in the future chapters of the story, we get Batman being more and more brutal. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like this sets the tone where Frank Miller is saying that our characters don't really change. They are who they are. Mm-hmm. And that no amount of like time in the Arkham home is going to change that. And that they're just as messed up as they'll ever be. Mm-hmm. I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I... Well, I don't know if it's, like, I feel like for, they use, I mean, the Joker and Two-Face's emphasis, though, like, who knows if, like, every villain is the same way. It's, like, two specific, I took two specific villains out of this as, like, they're who they are at the end of the day. But we also see that with Batman, too, that, like, he, like, tries for 10 years to not be Batman. Mm. Like, he gets fat, he grows a mustache, he, you know, drinks alcohol, which he didn't used to, he smokes now. A little bit and then like the bat demon says you it doesn't i don't care like you are 
still going to be my conduit. Mm-hmm. And we almost had the same thing with like Two Faces Psyche, and mm-hmm. same with the Joker. That although they've tried not being them, that at the end of the day, like they are their villain, like they are who they are. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, and it also talks in in the introduction to this. Um, Alan Moore talks about how this Miller, one of the first times that had a, had these big iconic characters actually age and change over time for good and bad, mostly bad in this. Um, but how time has that effect, and as you get in, as Bruce has gotten older, how it's it's been debilitating to him and maybe mentally debilitating and you didn't get to see that usually in comics because everybody gets better because they're products and they in 10 years from now they have to be doing the same thing they're doing now mm-hmm. to sell the product but not in this story so that was the end of the first chapter of the dark knight so the second chapter we have james walking down the street reflecting back on his time as being an officer and we see how his experience as being commissioner and being a Gotham City police uh, officer has really skewed his perception of everything. It just shows him looking at these really uh, seemingly innocent uh, sites like a building or an alleyway and how he has all it does is bring up these awful crimes that yeah. he's had to deal with. And then we see a mutant come up behind him and wanting to mess him up and he talks about how he thinks of his wife and he shoots the mutant who is going to hurt him and mm-hmm. he doesn't have any regret defends himself yeah we then go uh, more people in the news processing the return of batman followed and... by the emergence of a new robin is this the first female robin there's ever been yeah so we see uh, carrie with the great hair uh putting on a robin suit and she goes out and she jumps out the window. You know, where are her parents? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she is going out into the streets because she's been so inspired by Batman. We then kind of get a recap about the threat that the mutant leader made. And we learn more about uh, kind of about James Gordon and his perception and how the mayor of Gotham has absolutely no opinion or he isn't like trying to take a stance on batman at all yeah he just keeps repeating himself he's still like thinking about it he's still thinking about it he's still pooling options still pooling options just yeah he's so neutral and we then get a uh transition to batman who is saving a young child who's been taken captive by the mutant gang and he ends up saving the child. One of the mutants dies in a crossfire, which and there's some really great panels here. Uh, and let's see here. Oh, were you gonna say Roman? Oh, I was gonna say I was just laughing because it's this in this in this book. It's Batman's constantly like punching through wall, coming through walls. Yeah. Like like what's his name, Batty and Blade Runner, just <laughs> to grab people and take them out. It just cracks me up how many oh, times should... he does that in this. I was just think about the Kool Aid Man. <laughs> Batman is the Kool Aid Man. What is scarier, the Kool Aid Man or Batman busting through a wall? I'm Batman. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Finishes the night. Oh yeah. <laughs> I like how all these goons constantly just are so dumb that they 
keep shooting each other too. <laughs> like take each other out because they happened earlier in. Now this one just like so get out of the way. The other one's like, huh? Just still shoots him anyways. You've got a bat a batarang on your arm. I have to shoot you to get it off. <laughs> must must purge you of the batarang. So Batman saves a child. Sounds like a cool like holding a child moment. And then we get more Charles Chaplin talking about uh, how he kind of doubles down and is like... Hold on. Before you go into that part, um, we're all pretty positive that ain't rubber bullets he's shooting in that big machine gun, right? Oh, yeah. The machine gun he picks up from the movies. Yeah. He definitely wastes some people, and they do not talk about it, which I think is funny because later in this book, he's going (laughs) to talk about not crossing that line. Yeah. Which, yeah, I guess he's kind of already did talking to his own psyche, trying to convince himself he's hasn't gone over the edge, over yeah. the line. But he has here. He definitely, and he and the guy he shoots is holding the kid. that child, and hopefully Batman's just such a good shot, or maybe he locked out and didn't hit the kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a pretty good shot for uh, <laughs> not using guns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're sleeping bullets. They help him sleep. <laughs> So Charles Chaplin doubles down and says that it's Batman's fault that uh, Harvey Dent uh, relapsed and that if Batman wasn't around, then that wouldn't happen. We get more of uh, Carrie running around doing her... Trying to be Robin. Yeah, what's it called when people jump around building? Parkour? Yeah, she's doing her hardcore parkour, jumping around. And then we get this set of really, really cool panels where Batman is talking to one of the mutants that he has taken to interrogate. And it's dark, dark, dark. And then we see some peeks through. And then what we actually understand, those little peeks through the darkness, are the mutant's fingers. So uh, Batman is hanging him upside down from the tallest uh, building or point in Gotham. Yeah, he was covering his, he was covering the mutant's eyes so the mutant couldn't see where he was at. And then uh, you know Batman's being all intimidating, probably doing his deep batman voice but in his inner monologue he's like oh, i got my back yeah having to carry that all the way up yeah 220 pounds of psychopath all the way up here really took its toll <laughs> and we have carrie she's been a little trickster she put some dynamite in a, a baddie's bat pocket who's cheating at cards it looks like i know she showed them she showed them <laughs> man this next like mini story though with this mom with the kid was so sad Ah, uh, God. Yeah, some of these pages and hers, her page, like Jim Gordon's page earlier. I just, mm. I'm so impressed with the way because Frank Miller drew this and wrote wrote it and drew this page mm-hmm. with Claus um, Johnson artwork or doing some of the art chores. Um, but it so well sums up and lets you know who this character is. Just boom, one page. Yeah, a huge overview of their life, and then just takes it away, which yeah. is like really. Like, just showing, like, how much of a, like, just how downhill things have been in, like, Gotham. Well, it's interesting, like, too, is that, like, we get this entire big page of, like, narration and, like, a lot of writing uh, compared to, you know, comics for the most part about this character's life and motivation. And then the bottom right corner, we get her woman explodes in subway station at 11 so that this entire life was just reduced down to this anonymous death yeah like it's another day in gotham firm yeah like they you care about this person on one page and they're like it's just another death yeah the news doesn't even mention you know that as we know now that her child is now now it's nobody yeah crazy frank miller geez so dark 
I mean, so so sad. You can't make somebody sad unless you know you give them a little something to like feel about, right? So many feels. It's like Game of Thrones. You can't you know cry over the deaths if you don't have know everything about the character and love yeah. them yet. So something I was curious about: who's this person that Batman's holding in an American flag on this next page? That that was that was kind of jarring. Turning the page and then like, boy, that wasn't subtle at all, Frank Miller, because it's the uh, I had to go back and read his his getting information out of the mutant. So apparently this is the general that was, had set up the arms deal that was selling arms to the mutants. Oh, okay. And Batman got that information and found this general, and we don't know if if the general shot himself when Batman showed up. I'm guessing so. Because we don't see that confrontation. There's a smoking gun in the general's hand. Yeah. But Batman's holding him up, cradling his arms, and he's wrapped in an American flag. It's like, wow, okay, so here's... That was the closest thing that was there. Got well, they did. They, yeah. did, they did say flag. they did say it was apparent suicide. Unless well, Batman killed him, but we'll let's go with the suicide. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's so unsubtle. Like oh, the how corrupt and how far America has fallen. And but of course, rereading this now, of course, with everything that's going on in the country right now, it's like oh, even though it was written during Reagan years, it's it's oh, it's all sick. Still hits home. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess we'll get. I'll ask that question when we get to it because I was curious of who this president was supposed to be portraying yeah, that's Reagan. in this. It is Reagan? Oh, okay. Yeah. So we get back to Carrie, and she's doing her little, you know, baby Robin thing. And we uh, <laughs> learn bird. about this uh, general committing suicide, and we get some politicians in a steam room just being naked, sweating, and talking about, you know, their views on the Batman. Yeah. Yeah, this is the mayor, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. so the mayor and his, like, chief advisor or whatever – and he's basically asking the advisor to make the decisions for him. Yeah. And we get a little view of Batman driving the Bat Tank. And we get a flash to the news. And we hear that the mayor of Gotham is announcing who the replacement for uh, Jim Gordon's going to be. And it's a woman by the name of Ellen Yindel, who mm. looks, looks a lot like, like Carrie. I was going to say it looks like a lot like uh, younger female Commissioner Gordon. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, that's how does. I took it because she also starts picking up smoking later, cigars. Mm. All the cool people are doing it. That was the times, man. She's I don't know. A I was female Gordon clone. She was. It was fan fiction, gender Ben. And uh, Jim reacts to it, and like he seems to be pretty okay with it. He's surprised that's a woman. And we get a big meeting at the dump of the mutants who are just so greatly and weirdly drawn. Like, I don't know what's going on. Spikes coming out of his body. He's got crazy sharp long teeth. Crazy sharp nipples. Crazy sharp nipples. He's got Cyclops vision. Uh,. Yeah. Gun, is his gun on fire, or is it just a torch? I don't know. It looks like a torch. It reminds yeah, me. It looks it, like a gun too. <laughs> the torch stock gun is on handle. Oh, this is like a the stock epi- is on fire. This is like a multi-purpose machine gun. Yeah, it's like a panel straight out of a, what's that game called? Dead Rising. Mm, just yeah, making yeah. some crazy, crazy combos here for weapons. Yeah, I, mean, I love the like the art for the torch though, like the flame around it and like the heat mm-hmm. wave. That looked really cool mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, yeah, Miller was really. Uh, he had, a, he had something going on here with the mutants' nipples on the men. On the men, he doesn't do that to women. He's respectful. I can barely even tell which one were women in this thing. Like, I mean, it's all the shaved heads and everything. Yeah. 
They didn't, like, I mean, yeah, I just assumed they were all just either dudes or if they weren't pink, then they were ladies. I don't know. <laughs> trying to get my head in the, in the, in the, the current mindset of the time. Like, how to identify. They're all mutants. They're all mutants. So Batman, dri- <laughs> Batman drives up in the Bat Tank, which is, I think, the largest version of the Batmobile <laughs> I've seen. It's my favorite Bat Tank, and I think next page uh, shows why. So Batman is just blowing up mutants, but, you know, he's not killing them. Rubber ballistics. Yeah, rubber bullets. Rubber ballistics that make giant explosions. <laughs> it's just light, you know. We'll, we'll flash grenades. He's, he's firing mortars at him. <laughs> Fireworks. Just fireworks mortars. He just he Fourth of July sale. He's stocked up. You know, Gotham's got a great deal. So he is firing away, and the leader of the mutants is, you know, challenging Batman's masculinity essentially. Yeah, but look at that tank though. That tank what? isn't just a tank. It's like a tank with a moving head. It's like yeah, looming down at him. Yeah, it's like looking down. It's like a bird. So uh, the mutant leader just says, uh, "Get out here! Show me how macho you are. Like, let's one v one." And Batman, you know, he's completely safe in his tank, and against you know better judgment. He uh, pops out of that tank and gets in a brutal fist fight with the mutant leader. And the mutant leader is incredibly strong, and Batman is really... Old. Yeah, he's, he's old, and he's noticing he's old, but he also has a lot of respect for his opponent. Like, maybe not as, like, a person, but, like, how good he is at fighting. Yeah. And he, like, the mutant leader, like, takes, like, a bite out of, like, Batman's, like, shoulder and neck area, and he is uh like punches in the mouth and batman's about to go down he he gets his arm broken too it looks like he yeah he starts going blurry like he's like starting to fade out of consciousness um yeah it looks like his arm gets broken or dislocated or something and our all of a sudden our favorite new little robin shows up with a crowbar or a some sort of blunt metal object and looks like a crowbar I'll throw it back to Jason Todd, maybe. Ooh. Now it's being used for justice. So that hadn't happened yet when this was written. Really? So it did. Yeah, when this was, when this was written, Jason Todd was Robin, but wow, that was a he he hadn't been rev out there. <laughs> he hadn't been killed. Isn't he killed in this though? They have they they talk about they, ever since Jason died, and they have his. Did, did they see? I don't think they said well, they, he died though. But they I, just well, they do have his co- I feel like it's incredibly implied that he's dead. Yeah, it's implied something happened to him, and he does have his costume, so maybe maybe that had happened. Is, I feel like it happened in the seventies. Like I, I went back and reread that story, and it yeah, looked it, like it, was it happened before. in the eighties. Because I remember when they had when they had the one eight hundred or one nine hundred number you could call. I was I know I was in high school when that happened, and so that Boys. had to be in the mid eighties. Are, are, are you Boys. on the internet? We're gonna use the internet. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, maybe he had been beaten to death by Good. then. No, he died after this. Nineteen eighty eight. Oh. 88 foreshadowing oh okay so this was 86 yeah yeah many people read this and are like oh hey i like that jason being dead thing let's let's make that happen and oh, so let's immediately a, take it back <laughs> yeah so uh carrie saves batman she flattens the mutant's leader's nose she yeah. absolutely juices it and batman <laughs> throws some goo gadget on the mutant's face and he and Carrie escape into the bat tank. And then they're riding off. 
And then all of a sudden, we go from like this gray, dead-looking Gotham to bright, beautiful White House <laughs> America, and we get a lot of flag waving and Superman talking to the president, or that a person who's strongly, incredibly yeah. strongly implied to be Superman talking to <laughs> yes, which, the president. Yeah, which was cool because the whole time I was reading this, when I first went through, it, I was like, "Where is like the rest of like the superhero yeah. community? Like, have they not talked about?" Like Superman or anybody else, like Lana Lang showed up. Oh, we'll um, find out. And then you find, yeah, and then you see the S. I'm like, okay, so Superman is around. They are here. Like, but what's going on? And I love the uh, the guards posted outside the White House gate. That's so such patriotic. They look like yes. I mean, <laughs> and yeah, these outfits, jeez. Well, even like just the way the stars look, it almost looks like Russia. Just mm. like that, it's and like the they even have the. White House is behind black bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it kind of gives that really feeling of like totalitarianism, yeah. even in the United States. So uh, the president says, "Hey, uh, Soups, do you mind uh, going talk to your old friend Bats and tell him to chill out for a bit?" Yeah. And Superman's like, "Yes, sir. I'm a good soldier." Um, and then you find out, and then you get Robin being Robin. All it takes is like someone dress up in a Robin costume and then helping Batman once, and then you're in. Sold. You're hired. <laughs> Nothing on your resume, you're in. So Batman gets recuperated, we see. Um, we find out like things are still getting worse and bad. Like some guy goes to like a adult theater and shoots some people. Now, there's a lot of people who are pretty ill being influenced by Batman, which is almost proving like the negative that Chaplin's making. Neggy Chaplin. Neggy Chaplin. Um, and then we get the mayor here who decides it's a good idea to go make like a like a truce with the mutants. And I think it's a good idea to go put them behind the, the closed door this dude. And that went as well as he would have thought it went. He's dead. Mayor's dead. Super, super dead. God, I lost my page. <laughs> uh and then also in this, you know, uh, our Carrie, she becomes Robin, and Batman trains her a little bit, and he sends her out on the field to manipulate the mutants. Oh, yeah, that was cool. And uh, tells them, hey, you, she, they speak their weird mutant language, which is a lot of, like, food references and incorrect English. Yeah. And... Uh, tells them, hey, everybody, if you're a really cool, good mutant, you know that there's this mega-chill hangout at X location. And she goes around, and she tells that to a bunch of them. So something, I love this one-page, like, big, or not, it's like a half-page panel of Gotham City, of, like, this big, massive building. Are these supposed to be the Twin Towers? Like, they're definitely not towers, because they're, like, one of them looks like a city built on, like, a very pointy mountain. But is that supposed to be the bat signal built into it, or is that supposed to be the bat signal, like, shooting at it? I think it's being shined on. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, because the panel below it, you see the signal oh, yeah, shining up somewhere. That is true. I was just so struck with, look at, look at how many gargoyles are on these yeah, buildings. Yeah, oh, those are Jeez. gargoyles. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And there's a gargoyle initiative. Now, there must be, every building <laughs> needs three gargoyles for Batman. Every floor <laughs> must have a gargoyle. I almost wonder if this, like, there's this big panel, this giant, these two giant buildings, all in black with the bat signal on it. Mm-hmm. It almost makes me feel like that there's trying to say here that this is Batman City, that, like, he's back, and that mm-hmm. this is him. 
So he's talking with uh, Jim. It also looks like a shark's nose coming up, rising up out of the out of the city. Oh yeah. Oh jeez, it does. Hello. I'll never not see that now. <laughs> I ruined it. <laughs> so, uh, Batman and Jim are talking, and Jim's like, "Hey, how about you not do what your plan is?" And Batman's like, "Nah, I need to like humiliate them. I need to like utterly defeat their their leader, not because I need to prove how masculine and tough I am, but yeah. because that's how that's the only way that the situation can be resolved." And Jim's like, "Okay." So sure. we yeah sure go for it all right, and. What happens is Jim goes along with the plan and he helps get the mutant leader out of the jail and through a sort of Shawshank Redemption-esque uh, sewer line and he and Batman tumble into the area where Carrie was uh, sending everybody and they do what all men do. They mud wrestle in front of a bunch <laughs> of cheering fans. To like prove a point, like yeah. every all... You gotta have witnesses. And we see Batman back on his game in this fight because before he was just really heated and was just punching and then he got rocked. And this is Batman being even used to the term that this is his operating room. Yeah, and that's this, that was one of my favorite lines from this is like, You don't get it, this isn't a mud hole, this is an operating table and then just cracks his arm, he's like, I'm the surgeon. And he's using very technical moves. So he is hitting the mutant leader in specific points to numb and make like his arm immovable Mm -hmm. and he is being a lot more thoughtful than he was in his first fight and he defeats the mutant leader in front of all the fans yeah and all of a sudden you know the young men now need you know a violent father figure uh to look up to so they become the sons of batman or a lot of them start to and they're painting blue bats on their faces i love it and uh becoming a little fascist uh charles chaplin you know not enjoying it uh news commentators and like normal citizens all have their different opinions on what's going on and the next part is this when uh james uh like has his last day in the office uh yep yeah it is and he says that wow this is pretty easy to give up like I'm, this is this was definitely a stressful job. And then Batman is just like, nah, I ain't giving it up. For he him. is like gleeful. Like that bottom right page. Like, yeah, he loves it. He looks exactly like the Joker does, like when he's like reactivated. Yeah. And he's like completely villain. Like he looks like he lost like ten years. He looks like he like got ten years back of his life. He looks he looks young again. It's great. He, he's fueled by uh, punching. It gives it gives him <laughs> gives him time back. The youth. <laughs> Every punch is more to his, his like, vitality. The Curious Life of Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> the Curious Fist of Bruce Wayne. Uh, so that was the end of book two. So now we're on book three. And it just... I don't mm-hmm. even know how to describe this next part. Like, <laughs> Bruce's uh, babushka disguise, <laughs> and he's fighting a pro-nudity... Nazi, who has swastika. BDSM, BDSM Nazi. Nude Nazi. Yeah, who maybe, I don't even want to get into it, might be transgendered. Oh, I 
I never even thought about that. Like, that makes sense. Because somebody, I mean, her name is Bruno, and somebody makes, oh, the, the clerk of the store makes, who obviously is familiar with this person, says something about, nice work, too, can barely see the stretch marks. Yeah, and there's some weird, surgery. like, Frank oh. Miller 1986 commentary on machismo and transgenderism, or I think, maybe, and nudity, I was, being a Nazi. I was, I was going under the assumption of that just based off of, like, a lot of the, like, the terminology and, like, how they were, like, referring to women throughout this and other things. I was just like, this might not be just a regular woman. This is probably, like... See, I was going to think about that, and now I even feel more uncomfortable. Uh... <laughs> yeah, because it's definitely not a... Miller's, like, not a... Does I know... It's not a healthy portrayal. No. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh... Clearly, the character also isn't that intelligent because I'm sure uh, fascists aren't that great with uh, transgender individuals. Mm-hmm. But uh, Batman in his little babushka outfit takes down uh, this awful Nazi villain, really poorly portrayed character. Yeah, his Nazi butt cheeks. I think, she, Nazi I butt- think she shows up again in. She does. She the, shows what, up what in the uh, in the DK three. Really? Yeah. Oh. And I was like, oh, this character. Okay, here we go again. I'm going to pour myself a drink. <laughs> so, uh, never see that in cinematic. You'll never see that in the DCEU. Nope. No. no. I, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> I hope not either. I think yeah. there's much better characters they could probably incorporate that they haven't. So, we have a. I also noticed in this book, too, there's a lot more color. I don't know if there was, like, some sort of jump up in budget or there was a change in, like, the art direction. I was, well, I wasn't really thinking of that. I was kind of taking it more of, like, it is the end of, like, the beginning for, like, the return of Batman. Like, Mm -hmm. this is now, like, how we were saying, like, it's a brighter day in Gotham. Like, this is, like, the return of Batman's, like, bringing, like color back into like gotham and bringing like a new brighter future back into gotham again mm-hmm. that's how i was taking it yeah. but it could be budget stuff I, t- I took it as i don't think it was budgetary i think it was very purposeful on miller's part yeah. um because i took it a little bit like 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 you did but it's specifically more color in bruce's life mm-hmm. but gotham is still mm-hmm. the same horrible place in fact it's getting worse in some ways but he's feeling more alive. Yeah. And his perception of things maybe is, is reflected in this more color in the actual pages. Then we get we get a reveal. So he doesn't completely take down this Nazi person, Bruno, on his own. He gets help from a mysterious figure. This really fast, though. Faster than a speeding <laughs> bullet, Robin points out. And can leap buildings in a single stride by bound bound up sorry it's superman Uh. (laughs) spoilers spoilers yeah we got to announce now this is where we start announcing spoilers maybe maybe somebody else could have melted bruno's gun could have been supergirl and bended Uh, oh yeah uh, that's true let's could have been cyclops with an invisible (laughs) optic blast yeah there's a lot of cyclopses (laughs) running around uh so we after uh, bruno gets taken down by this mysterious blur of Kryptonian strength. Uh, we get more news where everybody's talking about how everything's just awful and like the world. 
uh, and the Son of the Baths are getting more and more bold, and they're gaining momentum. Charles Chaplin still isn't having it. He, I think, described Batman as a psychosocial infection. Yeah. yeah. And that his just presence is just, like, really tearing Gotham up. Uh, Batman and Robin have the cute little moment where Batman's like, did good, and but you broke, like, you didn't follow my rules. She's like, but, you know, we did it. And then they have a really cool jumping panel. I like how he threatens to fire her so much in this. <laughs> yeah. He constantly tells her that she's almost going to be fired. It's the threat any woman has in employment. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Batman keeps reminding her of the glass ceiling. <laughs> um, we get James Gordon. He is giving a speech and how he is uh, ready to step down and that he is that he views uh, Yendel, his replacement, as being highly, highly capable but that he feels really bad for her, mm-hmm. which that's something I'd never want to hear going into a job. Yeah. Is that the person I'm taking over feels bad for me. Poor, poor soul. Uh, then we get Batman and Robin. They're going to find bombs? Is, is this after like they get info from Bruno? I think mm-hmm. so, yeah. And Roman, are these child bomb people... Were these present before? I I was just thrown for such a loop. Yeah, not that I remember. And it's been so long since I read this that, yeah, when I was reading this, and later on we see one of them is can fly. Has yeah, they, hours, they can and fly. Like, is, this, is it a robot? And what like are these things? Talk? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like, who are these yeah, little yourself. creature <laughs> people? Dueling and stuff, yeah. <laughs> that the Joker's enlisted. Uh, now we get Yendel. She states that she is going to go after Batman that James, you know, we know that he was friends with Bruce and that he had a very pro bat policy and Yindel is not about that. And mm-hmm. she uh, puts an order to arrest Batman. So this little bomb person uh, blows up and kills 12 people in a building. And we then see the Joker just biting his lip. Yeah. He's getting restless. He is really happy about what's going to happen tomorrow. And we find out that he is going to be going on a talk show to show off how great Arkham Home has been with uh, rehabilitating people. Mm-hmm. Before we get that, though, we get one of the best pages this whole run. <laughs> Good Morning Gotham with a very, very photocentric bru- or Clark Kent doing the Captain Morgan pose <laughs> in some horse riding outfit attire with some, with some horse riding boots. And Bruce tending to the horses in the back while there's butterflies, flowers, blue sky. Like, everything is going off in this. I'm not sure if this is implied that they were romantically involved previously, but it definitely, they look like they're a 90s, like, rom-com, like, book cover. Like, it looks looks like it was, like, Favio's inspiration. It is, like, he's got the open shirt going. Like, breeze going, bright blue clouds. Yeah, it's there's a first, lot happening. First in full it. view of Superman, <laughs> just doing the Captain Morgan. That's great. I mean, he even has like, look at those heels. Yeah, like those are like three inches guaranteed. It's for horse riding. <laughs> you gotta have heels when you're horse riding. And showing off your figure. Yeah. Uh, and then Bruce is just every panel in this is Bruce just got like a cocky grin, like threatening 
Superman. That he will take him down if he has to. I also like how there's just like all these animals around them too. Yeah, like, he's got like a sanctuary so of animals. Pure. There's a hawk flying with a mouse nearby. No, no, no comment on it. Yeah. <laughs> these stallions. It's very, very interesting. Yeah, I love that hawk with the mouse. Just as Soup's is saying that uh, when that happens, oh, here's the hawk and the mouse. Get it? Get it? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in this part, they're having their talk. The president ordered, and Superman's like, "Can you please stop doing what you're doing?" And the Batman just says. Mm, no and then they're like all right we'll talk about this later so we see the president in like the most starlicious <laughs> suit that i wish i owned for the fourth of july i wish our presidents were mandatory required to wear those suits <laughs> i'm sure if trump can get away with it yeah I, i'd say trump would probably wear well he'd probably wear like a general suit or something and doesn't trump always wear a red tie anyway usually? dollar signs <laughs> <laughs> yeah the money <laughs> dollar signs attached to the stars gosh uh, Alfred's given some of his traditional sass. He's like, hey, you should go to this event. And then Bruce is like, I'm not going to. Just give them money because yeah. that works. That's how I do. Uh, we see uh, Superman kind of doing some of his duties. Yeah, that... he takes off um, from his conversation with Bruce because he hears an announcement or something going on with the Soviets. So he takes off to go deal with that. So, And we really get a sense here that the Cold War is red hot it's not uh, a just it's not these discussions of diplomacy there's actually active engagement across both sides and you find out that yeah you don't know about it because they've been kind of keeping it under wraps and having superman deal with it yeah so it kind of explains where he's been and what he's been doing he's just been a government like weapon basically yeah and he may have just killed (laughs) those soviet pilots i mean he just like flies through their plane and America. Maybe they maybe they ejected. Who knows? Yeah, um, <laughs> I think I think he might have killed them. Yeah, yeah. He didn't kill them. The flames and the fall killed them. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> if they had been good enough, they could have ejected and saved themselves. Yeah, should have seen it coming. Yeah. So we uh, go back to Arkham home, and Joker's uh, smoking his cigarettes and getting, getting all ready. dolled up. He uh, brings his own uh, makeup accessories, you know, as you do. Locally sourced, organic. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> Maybe it's Jokerline. Maybe it's Jokerline. <laughs> and uh, Yindel is uh, getting everybody armed to the teeth to take out the Batman. So, in, is this. Are Robin and Batman outside of, like, the studio? Where Joker's having his interview? Yeah, they're in the yeah, They are, okay. but I didn't realize it until, like, they burst into the building. Yeah, okay, <laughs> so the Yindel and the police know that Batman, you know, zeroed in on the Joker, and so they understand that he is probably going to go to that studio where Joker's doing his big TV debut. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they kind of set a trap almost, and Batman... Uh, you know, fights them, and he wins, as Batman does. And there is released one of these little children bomb things. It's uh, just so weird. These old They fly, too. Goddamn milk baby. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's making fun of the guy that made him. Yeah, I think it means a that guy. big, soft, brown, pudgy... Yeah, because they even say he smells like milk, guy. too, later. Oh, yeah. That yeah, guy's got some kind of milk thing going on. Milk oh, I still man. want to know what, oh, what milk the heck man, is this man. little, this boy, this whatever he is. Like he a raggedy, fly. It's like a raggedy Andy. 
I mean, you know, I don't blame him. If I was like, I was created just to solely be a bomb, I'd probably not be that happy at my creator too, <laughs> and probably say some vile things before I go do my job. Yeah, yeah well, that's true. So, uh, Joker comes out. And he is wearing, cool entrance. He, I know he's like quite dapper, and he does also like a Batman cape flip with the yeah. curtain. And he's pretty jacked looking too. He is. I yeah. don't know. Being catatonic, you would think that he uh, would have had some muscles like decrease in their volume, no, but atrophy. Atrophy. Yeah. yeah. No, he looks. He's got some broad shoulders, some big arms, strong chin. They, they feed him well in Gotham. They <laughs> well fed. And. Uh, so he gets out there, and everybody isn't smiling, which Joker, you know, he, he loves a good laugh, a hearty chuckle, and yeah. a, a wide grin. Batman's punching some cops and some smoke, and uh, Carrie's doing some computer stuff. And uh, Charles Chaplin is out there with Joker, trying to be his PR person, and the Joker is smoking his cigarettes and tells everybody that he's going to kill them all and charles chaplin's like no he's just joking you know he's just breaking the tension because that's threatening everybody's lives is how you do it and joker then leans over and gives the host a big fat kiss is she supposed to be uh what's her name the really old um, report barbara walters is that why she's saying sexual um i wasn't sure if it was barbara walters or maybe at the time there was um I've been trying to remember her name. Joan, she's a little Joan Rivers like, mm -hmm. uh, who she used to host Saturday Night Live or not? Jeez, the Tonight Show. I mean, um, but yeah, with the accent, I was like, when that sounds like Zaza Gabor, so maybe it's a combination of all three. So uh, they're talking about Batman and what his motivations are, and the knockoff psychoanalyst says that it's it has to be sexual because that's what everybody thought in psychology. Yep. And then Joker. You know, takes his time, and he's like, it is sexual, and then plants a big fat kiss on the hostess, and then she, we find out that it's his lipstick that he used was laced with Joker Venom. Signature Joker Venom. And the little uh, cute child suicide bomb uh, flies in. Starts spraying gas. And uh, exhales some of that Joker gas, and everybody... And the entire studio gets Jokerified. I like how he flies out. Joker's riding on him like a seat. Yeah. And you know it, what? He's not smiling. No, he's not. He's not no, happy. No, he's not. Actually, he's kind of frowny. And I love the fact that when the little joke, the, the boy bomb flies in there, before it blows up, it grabs the psychologist, psychologist's mouth, and there's a crack. And then you realize the little boy flying boy bomb just broke his neck. Oh. Yeah. For some reason, he went straight to him, broke his neck, and then killed everybody else. Yeah. Maybe the Joker's just extra pissed off having to listen to this guy all along. Yeah, he's sick of listening. <laughs> How many yeah. years has he listened to this guy in Catatonia and Arkham? <laughs> uh, Batman's still punching cops, and he and Carrie escape on a helicopter, and it's announced that uh, hundreds are dead uh, at the Joker's hands, and he escapes. Uh, we get another flash to Superman, and Superman is, you know, punching soldiers and leading the covert operation against the Russians. And we get more news situations that talk about how the world's going to shit. Very Watchmen-esque. And then they briefly discuss about uh, the Joker and the new police commissioner. 
We then get a transition to Kyle Escort, and then we see a very old Catwoman. I think she's on her eighth life by now. <laughs> uh, not not the sexy uh, current Catwoman that we all know and deeply, deeply love. And uh, Joker leans over, and he plants that famous kiss on her and tells her that he needs to know where a specific escort is who's meeting with a congressperson. Just trying to send more messages. He just kissing everybody. Does he Joker does, not get consent? He does not. Oh, uh, man. We get, we get more news. Everybody's just loving the news. And we're learning more about the Sons of Bats. They're still active. Getting bigger and badder. Uh, and Batman and Robin drive off and they meet... Are they going to uh, the escort business? Uh, yeah. No, it looks like. Oh, or they're driving to. Yeah. Um, yeah, they drive. Yeah, they go to the escort business because that's where they find Selena dressed as Wonder Woman. Okay, so uh, in the meantime, while they're driving there, we get a congressman also wrapped in the flag. A lot of symbolism, <laughs> like with people being wrapped in the flag, and he's talking about how awful everything is, and then he jumps out of his window naked and he lands and dies and we find and then the police are also tracking down what's going on and they find out that he had a escort from selena's business so they start heading there and we get flashback to superman who's thinking he's doing all this like crazy wild stuff but he's just having this inner dialogue about of batman and the criminals that he fights and then we get batman robin they get to uh selena's escort business and we find her tied up with uh, a knockoff lasso of truth and she is dressed up as a wonder woman and she tells batman that joker is back and he's worse than ever and she explains about his mind control uh, toxin and uh what he's been doing and that he left a half-eaten cotton candy uh cone yeah as a as a clue yeah and batman's like it's the fair mm-hmm. one of the fair robin <laughs> and there's sweet prizes there's uh, the police are there and batman has always shows them how nep they are and throws a little boom grenade and they fly out on a bat drone uh, a really cool piece of tech mm-hmm. and then they do some hang gliding superman's still really frustrated at bruce and how he's saying that bruce doesn't get it that uh batman or superman's doing the most good that he can that he's serving his country and that uh, there's a line here where he starts talking about uh kind of what happened to all the heroes and how the government stepped in at one point that we don't really see, but that they took heroes off the board. And he says, I gave them my obedience and my invisibility. They gave me a license and let us live. Mm-hmm. So at one point, the government was, it sounds like almost like threatening heroes' lives. Yeah. That if they continued doing what they were going to do, that they would step in. So Superman's not just doing what he wants to do out of a sense of civil service, but that also his life uh, I've done a lot of talking does anybody have any thoughts um 
with the obedience thing, yeah, it's very like interesting. Like even Superman would like bow down to that. Like I mean, he wants to like protect everybody, but like to be like, I was curious to how like they would threaten his life. Got a kryptonite sword somewhere. Kryptonite bullets. Yeah, because he said earlier, right after the Joker escapes from that TV studio, um, when it cuts to Superman uh, fighting the Russians. Superman's narrations, they'll kill us if they can, Bruce. Every year they grow smaller. Every year they hate us more. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, what if they... Uh... Oh, we must not remind them that giants the, themselves yeah, walk, walk the, earth. the earth. Yeah, It's like, huh, wow, what... Uh... And we never do find out what exactly happened. Just the fa- you know, just the usual thing that... They don't talk about it at all in DK2 or 3, do they? I don't think so. It's really... It's vague. And they go back and revisit what's happened between Superman and Green Arrow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I don't think they get into the larger, the larger <laughs> scope of everything. Like what happened? Why did Hal Jordan go back to space? Why did Diana go back to the Amazon? Yeah, which I can't help but think you know it's well like Marvel did with Civil War and before that the Mutant Registration Act and DC did even before that before this with America versus the Justice Society where they had the in the fifties they retroactively had this story in the eighties that in the fifties. The McCarthy hearings called the JSA all all to testify and ask them to reveal their identities, mm-hmm. and some of them did, some of them refused. Batman refused and went into retirement. A bunch of them went into retirement because of that, rather than kowtow to the government. Yeah. So that kind of thing here, and Batman retired again in this story, and Superman made a deal to keep doing what he does. Just nobody knows about him anymore. I love yeah. the. Like how throughout most of this, when they show Superman, there was just a black figure with a red cape. I kind of mm, like yeah. those shots of just, and then when they do it like Batman and Robin, like all you see is like black figures in the yellow. Mm-hmm. Like they always have like one singular color basically showing. I really like that. Um, so yeah, we got Joker at the carnival giving out some free cotton candy. That's really nice of him. Yeah. No- it kind of goes back to that never accept free like food from strangers. There's no such thing as a free lunch. I like how the little boy bomb is sitting on top of the cotton candy yeah, just stand just with really his arms grumpy. crossed. And, yeah, <laughs> Stupid kids. He is not happy. I mean, if you were going to immediately die at some point, you probably wouldn't be happy either. But they got like superpowers because the next page, they've got like a bunch of them and they can fly. What is this? Like, what are these things? They're they're, con- they're convenient plot devices. <laughs> yeah, just... Well, plot boys. <laughs> yeah, plot boys. <laughs> Crazy Frank Miller, yeah, little plot devices. Because I don't think they're ever explained in the sequels either. No. And we got some more Joker lip bite in action when Batman shows up. He's yeah. Just super oh my excited. God. Wow. More, more he is darling. lip biting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Erotic. So we got a face off between Joker and Batman and Robin. They're fighting against some of the dolls. They gotta like get these dolls out of there while fighting. And they get they get split up where Robin is trying to save a group of kids who are on a roller coaster of death, and uh, Joker and Batman run to a house of mirrors, which is incredibly spooky. Mm-hmm. So they are not together at this point. No. And then yet yeah, Joker gets uh, battering to the eye. Pretty intense. Pretty cool, and then it leads them to basically, yeah. They, this is where they end up in Joker versus Batman in the Tunnel of Love. Darling, darling, what? <laughs> What's in her howling, uh, uh, killing joke? That was also 
Oh, you're right. Set in the old, the old carnival, deserted carnival grounds, oh. and ended there between Batman and Robin, or Batman and Joker. <laughs> so yeah, they they fight in here, and this was really intense when I read this because I did not know about this part. Was they have this fight? Uh, they go at it, and the Joker's just stabbing the crap out of him. But then Batman finally gets the upper hand and ties him up, or something, or pins him. And then Joker basically breaks his own spine. Yeah, because Batman went far enough to cripple Joker, to paralyze him. And then Joker, through sheer force of will to make it look worse, to make it look like Batman murdered him, Mm -hmm. Joker, like, somehow... Twisted his whole body. Twist himself to finish it and break his own neck. Yeah, and then the whole time he's doing it, he's, like, laughing the whole way. Yeah. Intense. And then it's like, oh, you just set me up for, for, you know, you just set Batman up for murder. It's okay. Batman lights Joker on fire and spits on him. Yeah, he gets makes it. it look like you really did murder him. I know. At first, I was like, why are you spitting on him? You're you leaving DNA evidence. Oh, yeah. never mind. <laughs> Emulate the body. <laughs> Immolate. How are you? So saying? yeah, Joker's dead. Uh, Carrie ends up dealing with her stuff. Saves the kids on the roller coaster. Oh, but the villain that she was fighting against, the Humpy Dumpty child bomb maker guy milkman man and milkman yeah he gets a his brain mashed yeah and she is feeling a little upset about it but uh she and batman like their past reunite at the carnival and they escape together mm-hmm. and then we end up finding out that the sons of the bat are just brutally attacking people that are doing like what they feels like Crime, criminal activities. I like, like, didn't like they cut off somebody's fingers. Yeah, they cut off a thief's fingers. Yeah. Yeah. They're like attacking other people, like they shoot somebody robbing a bank. Um, yeah, like they're they're taking the law into their hands now. You got Superman still doing stuff with the president, and then we got like the mother of all nukes show up. Yeah, and that there is a Russia like. Fires this giant nuke and is it? It's going over Gotham. Uh, I don't think it said it was going over Gotham. I feel like for it to do what it did to Gotham, it had to be somewhere around. Somewhere it. near it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was somewhere along the East Coast. Well, the whole East Coast could have been affected by it. Yeah, I thought this, the electro- electromagnetic magnetic, magnetic pulse was so huge. It, I don't know if it just turned off everything around the world or in America. I'm not sure. We see, like, we look at the map, uh, we see, like, a little missile thing going over an island, which Gotham's on an island, right? He's like, it's been, like, it's had bridges before that get, like, shut down. Yeah, but that's, I thought that island was uh, uh, Corto Maltese, where all this was, all that. Like, it was shortly, the Russians were just right outside of Corto Maltese. Yeah, which I think they mentioned that was off the coast of, uh, oh, I should have wrote that down. Off the coast of South America. Oh, okay. So, uh, regardless, there's a big missile with a big uh, red star on it, so we know it's from Russia. From Russia with hate. From Russia with love. (laughs) I love that that the president, the Reagan stand-in, is in a radiation suit, you know, making his broadcast to America. (laughs) Well, don't worry. (laughs) And uh, Superman, you know, does what he does, and he, he punches that big old nuke, and it epically explodes. And, uh... At the same time, we have Batman recovering from his big fight with Joker. And let's see. Goes off, and all the power gets shut off to the city. 
and the mutants, uh, there's a big group of them that are in this giant cell together, which seems pretty uh, unhumane. But... Yeah, <laughs> they get they get mad that their favorite TV shows basically shut off, which uh, proceeds to them taking taking down some of the guards while still being behind the cells, but they got some guns. Um, like the whole city goes into panic, like it's pandemonium, the riots. There's a plane that like, loses power and oh, crashes I, into Gotham. I hope they didn't hit one of those twin towers. No, they did not. Um, so like chaos is breaking loose. They even have like these small, like interview moments too, um, coming up, where uh, they talk about like even the most like normal and like non like criminal people like give into like just being just terrible people and every man from themselves kind of thing. And they talk about that. Like, what do I care about this person? Like yeah. I've got the gun or like, like I, it's, it's me or them. Like I need food kind of thing. Yeah. The hypocrisy throughout the, throughout the book, but especially those pages, like the one guy talking about how well I've been going to church every, every Sunday, you know, my whole life, but yeah. you know, I have the decency to keep that in church and there was yeah. this priest next to me and trying to justify <laughs> it and everything. Frank Miller, um, you know, glass half full, right? Yeah. Real humanist. Meanwhile, Batman rides up to the dump where the Sons of the Batman are hanging out on a horse and is like, you work for me now. Like, you're my you're my crew. And mobilizes them all to go into the city to stop all the riots and help mitigate the damage. Then we get this cool Superman panel. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. Right before that, though, we do get yeah. at least some moments. Not all of humanity is bad because... It shows Gordon and stuff that people, the good, you know, good yeah, people, are still selfish, formed, you know, lines to pass water to people and yeah. put out fires. So and there's got, still some hope. Yeah, and you got this priest that talks about this kid with the radio that was falling the whole time, and then when he got, like, mm. beat down and stuff, this kid was there tending to his wounds and stuff. So there's still good in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I love this page with, like, these pages with Superman, like, in the electromagnetic storm with all the pink and electricity and he's all zombified. Yeah, it's beautiful. And the fact that the the cloud, the basically a nuclear winter, blocked the sun, so it blocked yeah. his powers, and he's emaciated. And... and then he can somehow absorb energy out of Earth. Yeah, that that reminded me of something um, you said, Colton, earlier about uh, the, these characters' pathologies and stuff, because you realize in this beautiful page um, where Superman's talking about, I've always loved you. And at first you think maybe he's talking about Lois, no, he's talking about into the earth, and he like falls to earth and grabs a sunflower. It looks like some kind of plant. Mm-hmm. Looks like yes, yeah, and that helps to re-energize him. But he's talking the whole time about how he would do anything to save the earth, and mm-hmm. you realize that's part of his pathology. Is he wants to save the earth just so what happened to Krypton doesn't happen? Not, yeah. I mean, not only he's a good guy, but he desperately doesn't want anything to happen to the earth. Mm-hmm. No, he's not willing to crack any eggs to do it. No, he's going to keep the status quo going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a really interesting thing. Moment, I don't know if we've yeah. seen with Superman before or since. So, yeah, we've got all these Bat Family people mobilized. And it looks like, yeah, he broke out. He helped the people that were the ones that, the remaining mutants that were still in prison. And he was like, hey, you need a man, a big, strong man. Yeah, <laughs> why didn't you follow so, me the first time? Yeah, follow me now. Get over here. Yeah. And so after that, we get to 
what is the setup for confrontation where the president's like, you need to stop Batman. So this is a week later. So everything mm-hmm. is like a nuclear winter is still happening over Gotham. There's still, is there power at this point? Yes, there is. Oh, yeah. So the city has power, but like it's like August mm-hmm. and it's snowing. Yeah. And you see Batman talking with a bearded man smoking a pipe. He's got one arm whose name may or may not rhyme with Smoliver Dean. <laughs> Oliver Queen. You mean uh, Blue Bow? Blue Bow? <laughs> Yellow String. Yellow String. <laughs> the hat. The hood. <laughs> Wait, Green, Marvel villain? Green Arrow. Dub I? so yeah it sounds like he's having some plans that he wants to set in motion with oliver uh green arrow while superman who's being asked by the president to bring batman in kind of tells him where do you want to end this we have to bring this to an end and batman's like let's let's wrap it up where it all started for me in crime alley so we've got this page of him preparing to take on superman and then we get to seeing what the best of Batman is, even at his age. is Being a sneaky asshole. Being a sneaky asshole with a lot of contingency plans. He's, in like, place. he's like the Inception Master of plans. He is. <laughs> so uh, they go to the agreed upon location, and the back tank rolls up, and uh, Superman just tears it open like he is just going to drink a big old can of a local microbrew beer. Yeah. And uh, there isn't a big middle-aged angry man side. There's a uh, small little robin. Yeah, little with, baby bird. And I like it's almost like really cute that she like has a slingshot. That she brings out a slingshot. That Why? like that was her like go-to that, like to defend herself. And then Superman's like, "What are you doing? Like, yeah. get out of here! Please leave. This uh, is a joke. <laughs> this is a fight between some mans. Yeah. And uh, so he's like, "Where she? Where is he at? And you know, she's like, "Okay." I'll let you know. So he goes to Crime Alley where Batman's wearing a really kick-ass mech suit, which looks very similar to the one in Batman vs. Superman. Yeah, I was going to talk about some of that stuff, too, after this. Um, so, yeah, you find Batman. He's plugged into a light pole <laughs> and <laughs> shoots him with some sonic powers, starts wailing on uh, Superman, starts getting the upper hand, but then Superman, you know, turns it back around and like, well, he's like beating up on Bruce. He's just like, your heart. I'm worried yeah. about you because you can hear his little heartbeat going. And yeah. he knows that Batman is not doing too well in the cardiovascular department. Yeah. One cigar, that'll do it. <laughs> all those years of scotch. All those years of scotch. And you know, probably all the stress, too, and repressed anger. All those big belly burgers. <laughs> you mean bat burger? Bat burgers. Um, so, fight continues, and you find out Green Arrow is there uh, with his bow and his one single arm, and he fires a kryptonite arrow at Superman, weakening him just enough for Batman to k- kick his ass all the way. And he, as he gets the final blow in and has his little... Uh, as he gets his final word in, that that pushes his little heart over the edge. Superman, or Superman, you get a 
You get like a panel of Superman holding Batman. And you also get on that same page, apparently Bruce Wayne's banner gets lit on fire by Alfred, who dies of a stroke. Yep. It's like Alfred's entire like plan of living was Bruce. Mm-hmm. And then you know, his little heart couldn't take it. He was like a familiar, he was tied to Bruce. Like when when the source goes, the familiar goes too. He should have said something like, I'm finally free. Oh, I freedom. <laughs> I can get that vacation I finally, I've earned. Maybe they'll both see each other on the other side at a cafe in France. They'll look at each other and say nothing. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, fin- wrap, bring, us, bring it home. All right, so... Uh, Superman is all sad about Bruce being dead, and we find out via news uh, commentators that uh, is revealed that Bruce Wayne was Batman all along, so everybody <gasps> knows Gasp. now. Ooh. And that there is a funeral going on, and, oh God, what happened to Catwoman? She's on Life 9 now. She is not doing well. <laughs> and she's really upset, and everybody is talking about how the Wayne Manor has been blown up, and Superman's all sad. And we go to the next page, or we hear or we see that his heart is actually coming back to life and that it's another contingency plan. He faked his own death, soap opera style. And they, uh, Bruce is actually alive. And what he's doing is he's getting all those wayward mutants and son of the bats together, and he's making his army and he is ready to continue on with his mission. To have him come back trained and ready to ready to fight for the city. Um, something I want to go back and point out was, so yeah, Superman Dawn Justice, I remember seeing that, and then when they had that fight scene at the end, and he has that moment where he talks to uh, Superman as he's beating him up, he's like, we have different opinions, and has that whole monologue. When I, when I saw the movie the first time, I was like, I wonder if they talked about that, or if that was like, something that was said in the Dark Knight comic because they pulled a lot of it from that. They definitely did because... Uh, where is it at? Da-da-da-da. He, the part where he's like, in all the years to come, in all like your most private moments, but then there was... Where is it at? Where he has that like talk. Oh, yeah. It's when... Right before Green Arrow shows up, he talks about like... Just like your parents taught you, my parents taught me a different lesson, lying on the street, shaking in deep shock, dying for no reason at all. That showed me that the world only makes sense when you force it to. I was like, nice. I'm glad they used that in the movie. That was a really good line. Yeah. So it was cool seeing a lot of those elements pulled to the Dawn of Justice movie, but man, they didn't have to make Batman so old to start the DCEU. Um, yeah, I... This was... I felt like compared to the other stuff that we've read and most of the stuff, this definitely stood out as like written more. It felt more clear and easier to interpret like, oh, this was definitely written in this time period mm-hmm. kind of thing with these opinion, like these kind of like viewpoints and opinions and stuff. Uh, but I, I liked the art style and how like you said they maximized it was jarring at first but I loved how much they maximized like every single page like even this one here like they've got panels overlapping with each other they maximized everything on these pages to get the most in there so it felt like I was reading like way more than 
like well i was definitely reading way more than like the trade led on to me i also i felt like you had you had your story that was happening but then you also have this like secondary story mm-hmm. of how the news reports on things and mm-hmm. how like like what fuels public discourse and i think that was like really fascinating because it, it's almost it makes me think of like history and like modern day news that there are these events that happen all around the world that we don't see with these players that we don't know their mindset and like what's going into it and all we have is what is given to us by journalists and then like the discussion of experts in those areas and how that could like really change our opinion on like what actually happened object like objectively. Mm-hmm. My big takeaway though from all of this is after all those years of writing Batman and having Robin in it, why? Why did they still think it was a good idea to have the Robin outfit be little speedo things? Even in this time period where it's kind of in the future, why? You got to feel the breeze on your legs. Is it like to maneuver better? Like, I don't, I don't understand. I think get a tan. <laughs> because at that point, nobody had ever nobody considered the Robin costume. Pant legs on Robin costume. And the only reason they did it, I think, was because of tradition and because originally it was such a contrast to Batman's costume because it was bright and colorful, and, and that's the whole reason they did Robin anyway. Because mm-hmm. A robin's a lot more colorful than a bat but yeah it's so impractical especially in this the setting of this story i mean yeah they're on these battlefields literally muddy gross yeah get diseased water and yeah. garbage and you get, spiky things you get tinnitus <laughs> all kinds of things yeah it is pretty amazing that carrie kelly because they never say what her background is other than she's a high school student. I mean, they she, said that she skipped, that she has experience with computers cause she was in school. So yeah. kind of any person that is in her school could be good with technology. So that's just Batman, not keeping it's up like, with current technology these like, yeah. these days. And then she did say that she skipped gym classes one time. Okay. Like, so gymnastics. <laughs> so she's got some gymnastic background, but so this is the only, the dark Knight series is the only like appearance of Carrie Kelly. Right? Pretty much. I mean, doesn't that character show up in like in one of the bat titles in New Fifty Two? Not as Robin, but there's just she shows up as a supporting character for a few issues and you get like a hint of going, Oh, is she actually gonna become Robin? But no, she doesn't. Interesting. I know she shows up in Teen Titans Go at one point, right? She does? Yeah, there's like an episode oh, where there's yeah. like four Robin like I'm like a Robin <laughs> that <off>. show. <laughs> Roman, did did I already tell you tell you about that? How much we how much we both despise that show? Oh yeah, I we, remember. Yeah, we love we love the Teen Titans show growing up. Then they made this Teen Titans Go. Just, and I I just hated it. I I anytime I saw anything about it, I just had so much like spite towards it. And then we watched like a Valentine's Day episode after seeing like a YouTube clip, and we're just kind of blown away. Not every episode is good, but there's definitely some real meta and like self-stabbing at their own selves in that show that makes it funny i have an episode about how they're powered by the love and adoration of a of a fan but you have to like keep it fresh for fans but then you also have to like keep it old enough that like they're happy it's just it's hilarious (laughs) it's definitely not for everybody though yeah it's it's very it's it's acquired taste but 
my goodness. Uh, back on track, though. So, yeah, I would say, like, even just looking at the back of this, like, one of the top ten graphic novels of all time, I definitely think this is... Don't show me that picture. <laughs> so weird. Uh, it is weird. Frog Kid? <laughs> frog, yeah. frog Kid, Gary Kelly. Why'd they draw that? Yeah, that's the back of the, uh, the hardcover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, see, say, I've got my old uh, crappy beat up soft cover from Half Price Books. And it definitely does. It has a picture of young Frank Miller. I've I've got the store copy. Sexy picture We've got two in stock. Actually, pick one like, up. Uh, or two. Uh, senior, Take both. Give one as a gift. <laughs> I definitely yeah. I definitely see this as like if you were to compile like some of DC's top like stories like top five I would say this would be up there in one of them as like a like a good historical like DC comics piece. Well, I think it's impacted like it and Watchmen together mm-hmm. that they just completely everything I've read is that they changed the tone of comics or like the amount of breadth that they had with like how they could tackle their characters. Yeah, so these are not warm, friendly characters. This is like a cold, brutal book. Yeah, but yeah. I loved it. Yeah, it's so well done. But and yeah, it was part of that whole in some some uh, scholarship about comics in general, they talk about Watchmen and, and Dark Knight Returns and Alan Moore's Swamp Thing is all starting the, um, some refer to it as the Dark Age of comics, or you know, after, after the Silver Age, after Crisis on Infinite Earths. I'm down with it. I, I like how Frank Miller also interpreted, interpreted like younger generations, like dialect, as saying spud and aces and this really weird thing that nobody says at all. I think I think that was a lot of fun. What the spud? Because even I was like, what what are they talking about? Yeah, some what, of this can't pick. Can't did pick it make up you feel this. old? Like, made, I, what is it, <laughs> yeah. these young mutants' language? An old story made me feel old. A young <laughs> yeah. person feel old. Good like job. The, like they use the phrase "gone Billy," which gone. I was trying to. I was like, okay, that's like gone crazy, maybe like a Slice like a dice. Billy goat. Slice is that what they're dice? trying to say? Gosh. Uh, do we, this, this is our third one. Did we rate these? We did. We did? Yeah. Did we, we, I rate? can't remember. <laughs> we did. Let me just take it off the table. Uh, all right, well, this was your, this was your pick. What would you rate this? I think taking account the historical context of it and its impact, I would probably get a nine. Mm-hmm. I think it's really, really well done. I think it's really like. I don't know. Just, there are so many different ways that Batman's been portrayed, mm-hmm. but at this point, I don't think he'd ever been shown as like a warlord, yeah, and like a dictator of a city, and that we didn't ever see him as pathological and as dark as his villains. Yeah. Uh, Roman. We got um. Boy. Uh, if you need a it's... second, I can definitely tell the mine right now. No, go. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I would give it like a. Eight, I think I bouncing on what you said, like you know, based off the time and stuff, and like the portrayal of Batman. This was very unique and very different. And I kind of like that. It was very very dark, um, but like we talked about earlier too, I had really loved how a lot of the art you could really visualize and see what was happening. Like if you were watching a movie, like everything happening, like the page where he fights Two Face, and you see him swinging, and you see him kind of like making the round to come back and grab him. I think the art was done really well. And I really like this, like, colored background or, like, with shadowed figures, mm-hmm. but, like, the capes were still colored. Um, 
And yeah, like you said, and like I was saying earlier, I it was jarring at first, but I really appreciate how much the story, how much more rich and like depth was to the story because they made the most out of every page and filled it all. What is preventing you from giving it a higher score? It's really sad, man. <laughs> it's really sad. You mean a nuclear winter? And, a nuclear uh, winter, a one page. Yeah, like, a mom getting blown up for no reason. Yeah, which was a really cool page because it made you like this character, but that's like a weakness for me. It's like I hate in movies or anything where I get introduced to a character, even if it's a side character, and I just, I know, I my my side character senses start tingling. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, they're going to they're gonna die. Red shirts? Yeah, red shirts. <laughs> that's why I don't watch Star Trek uh, I would I would be an emotional mess every time I'd watch an episode of Star Trek. So red shirt comes on the screen, I just start tearing, I break it down into tears. Goodness. Well, oh man. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about uh, how to how to score this. Oh, you know, in keeping with our other podcast, Jeff always is all stunned when I give something a ten. I'll I'll give this a ten. You'll give it a ten. I'll go all the way. The right. historical significance. The first time we'd seen Batman portrayed this way. I mean, it's so good. I mean, I don't want to read much about this particular Batman because he's so unpleasant. Yeah. So messed up. But it was so well told. And there's all sorts of questions I still have, like, like this page I marked. We have no idea who that person is. Like, she maybe she's a broadcaster, but she's not in these other... No, she shows up like once. It's just this mystery. But there's so many weird little things in here that I was like, what is Miller trying to say? Or is it just Miller's own weird little weird weird things like bruce is naked like in some big significant scenes three times maybe and one of them is when uh robin when uh carrie kelly comes back into the cave or no he when he gets up she thinks he's gonna die Mm -hmm. he finally gets off the operating table and she jumps and embraces him and he's completely nude and he looks so cold and emotional unemotional and she's so emotional oh are you talking that's, about this one right yeah, here yeah. yeah but i, I was like, like a, that's like weird that she never had yeah, yeah. but that's weird cuz he's still naked yeah um. like, i don't know if it's a dad you never had would you still want to hug a naked dad you've never had well she's just so excited i i feel like this is a lot like watchmen in the way where we see things from both sides so much especially like we see this direct dialogue between characters in the story about Batman, mm-hmm. or we could be like, Oh, he is promoting his villains and like creating them. Oh, or he is actually being like almost like a Patriot or like a man that's like trying to like on a mission and doing a like, community service. So it's kind of this piece of art where like maybe the author had like a statement they wanted to make about the character at the times or whatever, but that it's so broad that you really participate with it and give it your own meaning and ideas. Yeah. Something I like too, is I liked after they did that whole reveal on new 52 about multiple jokers. I kind of liked how this one kind of had a different emulation of it had that kind of joker that showed up in the rebirth from the war of jokes and riddles where he was unhappy with a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But then he also had that new 52 joker mentality where like he had like this like obsession and like him and batman fed off of each other and they needed each other kind of thing i like that that was really cool the play off of it and stuff yeah yeah i the like that are, the villains are great in this yeah i like that relationship between them and it's interesting you were saying there colton about um the uh the pathologies and things because that made me realize that yeah and in this one lana lang is talking about um 
Batman, him coming back possibly as being like a rebirth of the American spirit, that kind of thing, I realized, oh, that's interesting. Superman has gone into, he's, now nobody knows if he still exists. People think maybe he does possibly, but he's doing his, his thing in secret now as per his deal with the government. And now Batman's out at, outed and has like a whole army, everybody, even the president, everybody knows about Batman now. And they switch these roles, except Batman is no in is in no way what Superman was. <laughs> Superman inspires hope, and even though he's missing, hope is a lot like car keys. If you dig around long enough, you'll find them. Not my car keys, but <laughs> your car keys are always taken to the void, and oh, anything insane. else that like just goes in your like onto that bed of yours. Yeah, the bed his, has a his hunger. bed sucks up like anything. I've developed a skill now based that I've gained from finding your stuff that if anybody can't find their stuff on the boats i know immediately where it is and they they say trevor where's my like water bottle i'm like it's up that like staircase to the left next to the wheelhouse you still have like a mental like list yeah of where i'm so is. good at finding other people's stuff now roman but i still if i ever lose something though <laughs> then it's a problem because i can't find my own thank me when you're a dad I, i've been training you this whole time <laughs> i've been training my mustache this whole time <laughs> all right well that's number three so that was it, your your pick so, it's my my turn to pick. It is okay, yeah. boys. I'm gonna need some help on this one because I want to take it kind of more current, not like super super current. Maybe in the last couple of years, I have a tough time. I didn't want to go like super depressing or dark. I'm thinking either Karnak, the flaw in all things, mm-hmm. or Thor, the God Butcher, mm. which is like one of the starts of Jason. Aaron's like run for this whole like multi-year ex- story he's been telling with Thor yeah. right now that's about to come to an end. So there's those two. I just bumped my mic. So I was wondering what you guys think. Like you're gonna we're gonna get some nihilism if we do Karnak. We're gonna get some we're gonna get some some uh, theology going with. Uh... I feel like I don't have to work as hard with Karnak. We'll have to like understand how all the Norse like mythology and all that works. Like the context of like the thor story mm-hmm. so i'm gonna go with that just so i have to you know just sweat good, just good fun time yeah. <laughs> where we're all just going with it you go with that roman i can go with that yeah i'd, I'd be curious to because the issues karnak was delayed so many times yeah the issues took forever so it'd be nice to read it all in one sitting i love the art in it too so yeah let's, yeah. let's visit let's visit karnak and the flaw and all things next uh next episode that's it cool bye so bye. long